0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, bringing you the latest news of the New England Revolution and local soccer. This special podcast on the MLS Super Draft is brought to you by New England Soccer Today. And now your hosts, Sean
2: Donahue and Brian O'Connell.
3: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. Joined today by Brian O'Connell. Busy, busy week for the Revolution. Signing of Didier Domey, and of course yesterday, uh, the MLS Super Draft down in Baltimore. Both of us were down there, and it's a very interesting event, certainly for the Revs. They got five players tied for the most of anyone in the league, um, and a couple of guys that looked like could be potential starters for the Revs. So I-, I think the Revs ended up doing pretty well this week. Uh, we'll start off talking a little bit about Didier Domey. Uh, Dome, a guy from, from France that actually trialed with the revolution at the end of September, uh, and a little bit at the beginning of October, actually stayed around and watched the Revs play against Salt Lake. He's, he's a guy that should really shore up that left side of the defense for the Revs. Um, I know Seth Sanovic did a decent job last year, but clearly hadn't earned the starting spot in Steve Nichols' mind, um, based on what we saw at the end of the year with his line decisions, but, Domi's a guy that should bring some veteran leadership a guy that played in the top leagues in Europe has played in the Champions League and I think he's a great addition for the rest what do you think Brian
4: yeah I, I can't I can't uh, agree with you more Sean. I mean I think it's I think it's something that you know especially with the uh, especially with the loss of uh, Gibbs I think that they need somebody back there to, you, you need that veteran presence and you know, right now, you know, you're looking at Alston, who does have experience, and when he'll, he'll be going into his third year. And you also have Osei, and you have Barnes. Um, and then you're still, and you're a little experience on the left, and I think, uh, Domi would probably be a good, good addition. Maybe, I don't know if he'll be a good fit, but I think on paper, I think it's a good addition. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, somebody obviously that the Reds have actually seen in person. Like you had mentioned, he was there at the end of the season. So, um, obviously the, the staff liked what they saw, and hopefully going forward, he's, uh, he's a guy that can help contribute on the field.
3: Yeah, that's a great thing too that the revs actually had this guy in on trial. He's a exactly. guy that they've you know, seen videos of and you know, <laughs> signed on spec, or you know even a guy that they've seen play over in, in Africa and you know, seen in the game. He's actually seen him tr- play and train with the revs. So I think that's a, that's a big big bonus, and
4: you know the fact that they went out and signed him afterwards shows that he showed something in that those trials. Yeah, and uh, you know unlike like what they were able to do with uh, Joseph Niuki where I you know I think of, I think the uh, The consensus was that Nickel went over there and he probably had the game of his life and brought him right back and signed him. So uh, yeah, it's always helpful whenever you can bring in a guy for a trial and you know they they get a a good long look at him. So I think um you know I think the the coaching staff is confident that he can he can contribute this year.
3: And even though the news of the day is really the super draft, I bring up Domi first because I think that probably played a role in the Revs' drafting strategy. I know a few people, actually a lot of people, were saying that you know with the addition of Domi they didn't really need to focus on the defense in the draft. But you know I actually kind of looked at it differently. I think. Uh, a problem with the resume. we mentioned it last year, too. Um, obviously, this guy's got another year of experience, but it's still a very, very young and inexperienced back line. I think they brought in Gibbs last year to address that. You know, it didn't work out that well for him. That's why Gibbs is gone now. But I, I still think they needed that leadership back then. I think bringing in Domi actually made it so they could go to the draft and get a guy like A.J. Soares, which they did, and put him in that lineup and not have to worry about so much about having no leader back there because I think they expect Domi to be that guy. Do you feel like that? Was kind of a, more of an influencing factor on in why the Reds were able to go defense, or do you, you know, agree with kind of the general consensus that maybe they should have you know, avoided the defense because they were already brought somebody in?
4: Yeah, personally, I would have reversed that. I would have gone. I, I think they were spot on as far as addressing the spine. I would have gone forward. Then I would have gone. You know, I would have taken the same spot. I would have taken uh, McCarthy at, at in the second in the second round. Then I would have gone defense in the final in the final round. Um, honestly i thought that the signing of Domi would have would have reversed the order of what what took place yesterday so i mean you know i do i, I mean from from all accounts of what we heard i mean uh, sos is a guy who can who, who's a lot like a michael parker's kind of guy even though mike burns was afraid to make comparisons um you know during the press conference yesterday after the draft but um honestly i i thought that would have reversed the reverse the order um you know taking taking a forward first and maybe taking a defender in the later round so um but you know i'm not you know i, I think Sores is, is a really good addition i think he's He's exactly what you need in the back, uh, you know, especially with the with the departure of Corey Gibbs and you know somebody who can kind of push Manuel Ose. I mean, if you, it's funny because I was thinking about it after the draft yesterday. I think, I think from based upon the scouting reports, I think Soros is almost the exact opposite of Manuel Ose. He's, whereas Ose is kind of a guy who plays on instinct. Uh, Soros is a guy who, according to the reports, you know, is just a very very cerebral kind of player. And I think he's exactly what they need back there, um, you know, given the given the state of the defense last year.
3: Yeah, and a lot of people have compared him to Michael Parker. So I'm not sure I'm ready to make that comparison after seeing him <laughs> in the combine. But obviously, still has time to develop, and you know, as a young guy. But going into the combine, he was highly rated, probably the the highest rated of all the center backs um, in the combine. Um, he had a kind of a rough first day, but uh, after that, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, but were you a little bit surprised that you know a guy like Jale- Jaleel Anibaba, who by pretty much all accounts was the best guy in the combine, um, they they opted to take sores over him, or do you think it was more based on you know the his work in college, that you know, they just thought maybe Annie Bobby had a you know good week, and Soares overall was a better player.
4: Yeah, I think um, I think just going back to uh, going back to what you said, Jordan. I think the signing of Domi almost influenced them to to draft a uh, defender first, anyways. And I think Annie Bobby, I mean, he was a guy that you know maybe maybe he did have a maybe he did have a good combine, and maybe he did show show flashes in um in college. But I think you know I think just going back on what the Revs know, and I think the Revs know that a guy like Whereas you know where they drafted somebody like Parky, you know five years ago, I think they were looking for somebody in that same mold. So I think maybe it wasn't so much, you know, it's not so much, uh, uh you know, something a detriment against any Bobby, but I think it was more so they liked Soares, and they liked what they saw with him, and they were looking for that kind of player, uh, you know, with a sixth pick.
3: I mean, it's purely speculation too. but you think a guy like Soares, maybe they look at it, someone that could uh, lead them in a in a three three-man back line, maybe go back to a three-five-two, probably? probably a ways away from that and very speculative at this yeah. one to even consider that. But you think that maybe is something in the back of their mind that looking at him maybe as a guy like
4: Parker's that he could run that three-man back? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think, I think it would, you know, I think that it's, it's so, it's, it's something that has to be in the back of their minds because, you know, if you look at the success and it's something that, you know, I, you and I both have wrote about is, is the fact that the three, five, two was kind of like, was kind of the formation du jour when, when the team was doing extremely well. So I think, you know it, it would be hard for me to think that that wasn't that wasn't exactly a pass it wasn't a thought going going into the draft yesterday and taking a guy like taking a guy like sores who could you know anchor a three man backline so um so absolutely I, I definitely think that that's somebody that's some that's the kind of player they were looking for going into yesterday's draft yeah and he
3: was very excited to go to the revolution yeah. um interesting both of the picks that were there McCarthy and sores both said they didn't hear from nickel <laughs> or head coach Steve nickel or uh, the vice President of Player Personnel, Mike Burns, before the draft, and I didn't really have any indication that the res are necessarily interested in them. So that was kind of interesting to hear. But we did hear from Soares, and we actually have the uh, some audio from yesterday's draft uh, from Soares that we can play for you now.
0: It feels great. He's a great coach, and uh, the Revolution are a storied club. So I'm really happy to be there. Um, you know, I, I read that all their games have uh, every single one's been on TV. I'm happy about that. I'm just really excited to play for a club like that, you know, like the Revolution. Open
1: to bring the New England Revolution to what they were in the early 2000s?
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go in there, work as hard as I can. I think they picked me for that reason. They know that I'll work hard, do whatever I can to make the team better, you know, and definitely get back to winning ways. Be center back with Gary Barnes, have you ever got a chance to watch him? And see what you're going to be playing next year. Um yeah, I've watched the entire you know Revolution team many times. They have so many great players, and you know I'm just happy to be learning from them. Great players, and also just a great coaching staff.
1: Playing for one of the notable coaches in MLS, mm-hmm. Nichols. Yep. Did you get a chance to talk to him before the draft at
0: all, or what did you think? Um I didn't talk to him before the draft, but um you know I know who he is. Obviously, He's a famous guy, so you know, I'm just happy to be playing for him. I think he believes in me. He just gave me a nice word in, uh, in my ear right there. So I think they have confidence in, in me, and I have confidence, you know, going in there that I can work hard and, you know, help bring the team back up. If you're going to use one word, would it be relief? After you finally selected, happy, excited, Just excited to get going. It's the beginning. You know, it's not the end of something. Now I'm a Revolution player, and you know I'm going to go out there and work as hard as I can. Prior to the draft, there were a lot of
3: comparisons of yourself to former Revolution defender Michael Parker. See a guy that you see some similar qualities in, and. You know, someone that you kind of strive to be like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing about the Revolution players, they're all smart guys that know the game well, and that's something I think I fit into that system. So it's definitely a place that, um, you know, I can develop as a player and, you know, use my qualities and, you know, help the team out. I think it's a place that I'll be able to succeed.
3: And that was Revolution draft pick A.J. Soares, who was taken by the Revs in the first round with the sixth overall pick. Uh, interesting start to the draft, actually, uh, with who went Omar Salgado going first. Uh, when everyone thought it was either going to be Nagby or Perry Kitchen, it was basically unanimous between one of those two. So that was that was an interesting. Start the draft, lots of lots of uh, surprises, and then Philadelphia took Zach McMath, the goalkeeper, right before the Revs. So Revs had a, a lot of options coming into that uh, that sixth pick, and I think they were probably surprised to see who was still around then.
4: Yeah, I mean, especially especially with Torres. I mean, he was a guy that you know was was a legitimate top five pick. So. You know, for him to kind of you know fall just outside of that top five I mean I think the revs you know found themselves with a you know a late Christmas present with Soros still available at six so I think um you know if, if the mindset if, if the mindset was in going into the uh, draft was to get a defender was to get the you know a uh, you know, a center back that could play in a 352 um, of the mold of which Soros brings I think that I think it was it was a perfect storm for the, for the revs in that regard. Yeah, and
3: Steve Nichol talked a lot about um, his intelligence and also what a, what a good guy he is both on and off the field. It was great to see both him, I think McCarthy as well also, um, after they were drafted, went right over to the Revolution fans and you know, introduced themselves and uh, hung, hung out a bit with uh, the fans that made the trip. So that was great
4: to see from those guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime, anytime you can bring in a, a draft pick and just have him kind of mesh with the crowd, I mean, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, you know, the the, the proceedings were kind of dominated by the, uh, by the union and, and Red Bull and in uh dc united fans but it was great to see the you know the 50 the 50 or so revs fans there and they were they were cheering the revs during all the draft picks and it was good to see the uh the players kind of give them some props when they went back to uh, when they came off the stage and kind of mingled with them
3: and i gotta give a lot of credit to the fans that you know, either went down there on their own or took part of the uh revolution bus trip which was you know interesting experience we were part of that as yes. well <laughs> heading down there we'd originally planned to drive down there the day before but the snowstorm threw a little wrench in that for those proceedings. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm you know, talking about the draft atmosphere. I should mention hear background noise on the clip <laughs> we just played there. That was very very loud in there from both the, the fans cheering and then the PA system trying to go over them and you know the music in the background, the endless repeat of the same four or five songs. But uh, like you mentioned, the Philadelphia and DC United fans were going at each other nonstop back and forth. But no credit to the Revs fans when they had the opportunity, and even when when the other fans were cheering, they made themselves heard. They were right next to the uh, Revolution table there too, so <laughs> certainly Steve Nickel, Mike Burns, and the rest of the Revolution staff uh, got an earful from them and could hear could hear them cheering for the team. But uh, that was that was great to see them down there, and it was uh, a very interesting draft. But uh, looking at the Revs next pick, um, going into the second round, uh, Stephen McCarthy. He was a guy that to me at least, was possibly the best central midfielder throughout the combine. Uh, looked very good, composed on the ball, made some nice passes. Um, not necessarily an offensive-minded central midfielder, more of a defensive-minded one, but certainly one that can distribute the ball at the same time. Uh, Six-foot-four, uh, very very tall guy, um, brought him in there. He's a guy that I think could right away challenge for a starting spot um, at central midfield. Uh, taking over maybe Pat Phelan's spot and starting alongside Joseph, and what what an imposing pairing that would be—the six-three Joseph and the 6'4 McCarthy. Not to get ahead of ourselves, yeah. but uh, he was a he was a great find that late in the draft. I was surprised to see him there, and I think the Revolution Revolution made an excellent choice in picking him up and addressing. You know, and need it for the team
4: yeah I mean it's not every day that you see a Generation D player follow the second round and I mean I think the Revs kind of found themselves you know another, another a second Christmas present almost I mean the first one being and the second one being being uh, Stephen McCarthy and it, it's funny because the fir- that, that's the first thing that I noticed was you know it, him on the stage I mean here's this tall guy looking like 6'4", 6'5 and you know he's projected as you know your central midfielder of the future I mean you know, it, at, at bare minimum, you have a guy that'll push Pat Phelan, and not to say that Pat a, a bad player, but I think that whenever you have a guy who, you know, physicality, you know, uh, based upon based upon appearance, I mean, looks like a guy who could, you know, just become that imposing kind of player that the Revs def- desperately needed last year in the midfield, and a guy who can distribute the ball, which is something that they were painful. It was just painful to watch sometimes. Uh, last year in the midfield, it was it's it's something that I think the Reds got themselves a steal when it came to McCarthy. I mean, like you said, he had a really good combine and he was a guy that, for him to be available at the second pick, I mean, <laughs> I mean I think the Reds have to be counting the blessings go, going into the second second round being able to draft him.
3: I mean, realistically looking at the roster right now, um, those are two guys in both uh, Soares and McCarthy that um, you can see stepping into the lineup right away. Definitely. I think I think Barnes probably has the his center back spot is pretty pretty solid and he's not going to lose that. Um, but between Osei and Cochran uh, and and um, soars, I think those are that's going to be some great competition for that spot beside them. Um, so that should be interesting and certainly uh, center midfield failed um, did an adequate job last year, but I think there's room for improvement there and McCarthy should have a a great shot at taking over that role so it's great to get two guys that you know looking at the season could potentially be upgrades for the team
4: yeah, definitely I mean whenever you can go into any kind of any kind of draft and take take guys who could. Almost, you know, start immediately. I mean, you can't. You have to call it a successful draft. I mean, I think last year when they took Shalowski in the first round, there were some questions as to whether or not it would take him a while to kind of, you know, develop into into that forward role. And I mean, he had a couple of good games last year, but uh, I think the general consensus last year was when the when the rest took him, he was kind of going to be kind of a project. He was a guy that they would have to. Kind of work into the starting eleven as the season progressed, but I mean, looking, you know, looking at both these guys, Soares and, and McCarthy, I think, you know, with a good camp, I think that they could really, really find themselves in the starting eleven, you know, uh, come this come first kick against the uh, Galaxy. Yeah, and like, um, they're actually neither of them are, especially our generation of DS players, but
3: they are actually both signed. So I think, yeah. I think that's what you were alluding to earlier. But that's a great thing too because you don't have to worry about these guys, you know, changing their mind and going over and signing in Norway or something because both these guys. Are signed and will be on the roster pending any unforeseen trades, uh, which I wouldn't expect to see. Both of these guys will be on the roster at the start of preseason camp, which is you know great great news for the Revs.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I think I want to say last year there were there were a host of guys that that came into the came into camp unsigned, you know, Boggs being one of them. Uh, you know, also Sinovic, I mean, those were guys who had to work to work themselves onto the roster. And then, obviously, later on, Griffiths, you know, finished up school and signed in June. So uh, whenever you can get guys in who are already signed, there's no, I guess you could say, added pressure about having to win a job. I mean, the job is theirs. It's, just, it's their job to lose rather than their job to win. So, I mean, it's something that um, when you have two highly touted prospects like that, I think it's, it's win-win for everyone involved, especially the Revs. Yeah, and we actually talked to
3: McCarthy as well. Um, yesterday, and he was a bit surprised to have been drafted by the Revs. I think he might have thought he was going sooner, or maybe to a team that had contacted him beforehand, because you know, the Revs also hadn't talked to him prior to the draft. Um, but we did hear from him and his thoughts on joining the team and the revolution.
5: Surprised, but super happy. Uh, amazing organization. I can't wait to, can't wait to get there. Do you feel like it's stepping right away and can first starting to follow this team? I don't know. I, I think it's going to take a lot of time to get used to the speed and, and the league, and Definitely, you know, getting used to everything, but I would hope so. Were there any other teams that you thought you uh, might come to? I mean, I heard different things, but no one said anything solid, so I really had no idea.
1: Have you talked with Stevie or Michael at all before this, before this
5: I hadn't, um, yeah, this is the first time I talked to him right here, so. <laughs>
4: I think the ACC has kind of prepared you? I mean, the ACC being probably one of the best conferences for college soccer in the States. Do you think that maybe would you with your development going to
5: the pros? I don't think so. I mean, it's definitely a, a battle every week in the ACC, and every team can beat any other team. So I think that could do nothing but help. Are there any other VCC uh, uh, players
4: that
5: you've spoken to that have made the jump to MLS? Probably... Uh, I've spoken to Zach uh, Zach Lloyd. Uh, he said it's, I mean, it's obviously tough, and he's having a good time. And so uh, I said, make sure you're fit, so that's what
3: I'm going to do. <laughs> and that was Revolution's second-round pick, Stephen McCarthy, who was taken by the Rebs with the sixth pick in the second round, 24th overall, um, certainly, as you mentioned earlier, a good, good selection for him that late in the draft at, at that point to have him still around. Um, but uh, we also talked to Mike Burns and Steve Nichol, we'll get to them later, who both were very pleased to get those two guys um, in the first and second round. Um, but going forward, like you mentioned, the Revs had an, another need, which, which uh, they clearly um, wanted to get a more proven goal scorer, more, or a goal scorer that they could expect to get more more goals out of them than what they had last year. Someone that could come in and be, you know, that maybe not Taylor Twollin, but someone that could come in and they could rely upon for 10 goals a season or something like that. Um, didn't didn't take that in the first or second round, um, but in the third round they ended up getting three guys um, who who play up at up top at forward. But I'm not sure any of them that late in the draft you can expect to to take that burden. But it should be interesting to see how they develop. One of them being Stephen Perry, the guy they took first um, with one of their incredible three picks in the fifth round. Perry um, going to in the third with a third pick in the third round by the Rebs. out of University of Notre Dame. Stephen Perry. Went to the Revs. Any any thoughts on him?
4: Well, just looking at the stats, I mean, he's a guy that had a monster senior season. I mean, 12 goals in 20 games. And you know, before that, like, he was relatively quiet. I mean, he really didn't get many starts his first three years. But you know, the senior year, he just kind of turned it on. I guess there was a greater sense of urgency on his part. But um, you know, he's a guy that seems like um, you know he could at least compete for for you know at, at the start at least compete for the first part off the bench. You know, coming into a uh, you know coming into the you know uh, last half hour of a match or something. Um, so, you know, but he's, but he'll be given the chance to compete. And I think that's, that's the kind of beauty of when you can, when you can get three forwards in the final round of the draft, I mean, it's kind of low risk. Um, I think, you know, last year, you know, knowing Taylor Twellman's health issues, I think that the Revs tried to address the issue of replacing Taylor Twellman uh, with one guy. I mean, and obviously Shalowski wasn't going to be the next Taylor Twellman, but I think that they tried to find someone as comparatively close to him. Um, as Taylor Twellman, and I think that, you know, with drafting three forwards, and Perry being one of them, um, I think the, the, the approach was, you know, okay, we're not going to find another Taylor Twellman, but let's see if we can find somebody who could, you know, maybe give you 50% or, or 75% of what Taylor Twellman gives you, which is still great. I, I, I mean, Taylor Tullman is probably one of the best players that ever played for the rest. I mean, to find somebody like him is almost impossible. So, I mean, I think if you... Take, take, take some flyers on some guys who are proven goal scorers in college, I, I don't think it hurts. And, you know, maybe Perry is a guy who maybe can give you six or seven goals per year or, you know, or maybe gives you five, five, four or five goals off the bench. Hey, that's that's great. And you know what? They can still go out and see if they can find a forward who can, you know, ideal situation maybe can groom one of these guys into being a really good goal scorer.
3: Yeah, I think you make a great point there. Certainly replacing Taylor Twalman, especially in the draft, is, yeah. is unrealistic. Even if you take you know, one of the top players, a Will Bruin, or Corey Herzog. I don't think that was going to happen in this draft. Um, but uh, they could go out and find the veteran experience player, and I think they're going to try to do that. Um, we heard some rumblings around the draft. Uh, we'll go back to Stephen Perry and the rest of the Revs picks in a minute, but we heard some rumblings around the draft. The Revs are trying to make a trade with the LA Galaxy for Juan Pablo Angel. Um, we didn't see much, too much conversation going on between the Revs table and the Galaxy table, even though they were right next to each other, so they could have been you know, keeping it under wraps a little bit easier from, from where we were sitting. but. Uh, Do you think that's a realistic move for the Rebs? And would you be surprised to see them do that after they took Cochran over him and the
4: uh, re-entry draft. Well, I think you know it's funny that you mentioned that the 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 re draft because because I think that would have been the ideal time to take a guy like Juan Pablo on Hel because it was something that I know you and I were discussing was, um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to try and bring a guy in, I think the reentry process was the perfect opportunity to do it. It's no risk. You come in and you say, hey, we want to take uh you, in in uh, in the uh, Garcia thing. You want? I mean, as far as Juan Pablo on Hel goes, you could say, okay, we want to talk to you. Let's see if we can hammer something out. And if you don't, there's there's no risk. There's there's nothing there's nothing to be lost uh, on the revolution part. So it's kind of funny that something like that would kind of crop up around uh you know around Superdraft because I think it's something that could have been you know addressed perhaps you know uh, back in back in December when, when the ranchery process was taking place. we don't know. We, we don't know if there was somebody on their radar that they were looking to sign and Juan Paulo Angel was a guy that maybe was a second or a third option. Uh, you know, if they couldn't uh, find somebody in the, on the international dra- on the international market uh, to bring in that striker, so um, personally, I would think it would be a g- I think it would be a good idea for the refs to kind of find somebody who does have that kind of veteran who does kind of that veteran experience up top because I think um, looking at a guy like Stolica, I think a guy like Stolica, although you know his stats weren't you know mind-boggling or anything, it was he was a guy that instant instantly added. More to the revolution attack, and even though he's he's a guy that's you know on the wrong side of 30, he's still a guy that I think as the season progressed last year, he's a guy that at least made the attack somewhat somewhat sharper. I mean, hit him and Perovic linked up really really well towards the end, um, but I do think that going into the going into the season, they do need to find somebody, whether it's Juan Pablo Angel Hell or somebody else. Uh, you know, abroad. I think I think the uh, the next step is to uh, is to get a veteran a veteran striker, and I think how would be a, a good good option as striker.
3: Yeah, it seemed kind of a strange move to me at this mm-hmm. point for them to get Juan Pablo. Out. Not for the Revs necessarily, because I think he would be a good addition for the Revs. Um, at the same time, um, you have to wonder what the Galaxy would want for his rights. Uh, certainly, you wouldn't want to give up too much. You he's a you know 35 year old guy, guy who can still score tons of goals, but not a guy that you want to trade away your future for at this point. But uh, the Galaxy just lost Ethan Buttle lost Tristan Bowen. Um, they they have um, brought in Adam Chrisman in a trade, and then on the draft day they brought in Chad Barrett. Uh, Bruce Arena said so that losing those guys is not going to change their strategy because they got in Chrisman and Barrett, but uh, it's kind of kind of hard to, to believe him that does he really feel that Barrett and Chrisman are the answer to the Galaxy's woes well up top? So you'd think that they would want Juan Pablo on Hell unless they have another uh, designated player lined up that they're going to bring in. In which case, maybe the Reds can get him for you know reasonable value. And, and then I think he could be a, an excellent addition to the Revs, but you know, I just have trouble seeing the Galaxy getting rid of him unless they have somebody else signed up right away.
0: Yeah,
4: I think you know the the, the asking price on on Hill is probably a little too high, and you don't want to you know you don't want to bet the farm on that 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 he's going to be uh you know he's going to give you say 15 20 goals, and you know I think the Re, I think the Revs at this point in time I I think are good to are kind of. Are kind of fine, just kind of seeing seeing what, what kind of you know talking maybe talking with the Galaxy and seeing what they can do as far as working a trade. However, I think that um, just based upon discussions with with Mike Barnes, it seems like uh, if you read between the lines, they're looking really abroad at, at a guy that could um, that could take the uh, the, the number um, the number nine spl- slot um, you know with the Revs next year. So we'll see. But going back to the
3: draft, the guy like we mentioned, Stephen Perry, he um, could be. You never know what a guy in the third round, what he's going to turn out to be. You never know what a guy in any any round of the draft is going to turn out to be. Uh, But Stephen Perry wasn't really a guy that was on too many teams' radar. You didn't hear too much about him going into the draft. Uh, Were you a little bit surprised that with a guy like Jason Herrick still on the board? You know, if you read our website, New England Soccer today, which we'll talk about a little bit more later, one of our writers, Julian Cardillo, talked about uh, Jason Herrick as a guy he thought the Reds might take even in the first or second round. Um, Were you a little bit surprised that come the third round, uh, that they, they took this guy like Stephen Perry over a guy like Jason Herrick who was a little bit more consistent throughout his college career and you know, scored more goals throughout uh, didn 't just come on strong in his senior senior. Year. you think he might have been a guy that uh, would have been
4: out of University of Maryland that could have been a good pick instead of Stephen Perry or? I, you know, I, would, I would have thought Herrick before Perry any day only for the fact that the reds seem to be seem to focus a lot of their scouting on the ACC and I mean you have Herrick who's a you know a, from Maryland ACC guy, um, a guy who has been proven who has proven himself in the ACC. And um, you know maybe maybe it was just a matter of uh, you know what, maybe they were more impressed with Perry over, over over Herrick. So you know it is kind of surprising to me that they did take a guy from uh, like Perry, who granted the Big East is no pushover when it comes to college soccer, but the ACC is probably the premier is probably the premier conference in terms of. In terms of college soccer in the state. So, um, it was a little surprising. And also because of the fact that Perry really, he was kind of a one season wonder. I mean, he had one year where he scored 12 goals. That was his senior year. But before that, he scores three goals in three years. I mean, that's not exactly, um, you know, uh, the best resume going into a draft, uh, if you're, if you're wanting to link up with, uh, if you're wanting to, uh, you know, be brought in or drafted by, by an MLS club. So uh, I am kind of surprised. And, um, you know, as we later saw, uh, Herrick got taken by the, by, by the fire in the later third round.
3: And, of course, Herrick is a guy that was a second-team All-American his senior year. Perry didn't, didn't make any of those teams. I mean, not, that that, not that that says everything, but you know, it certainly shows that he was recognized within the college realm as being one of the top forwards. So, I thought he might be a second-rounder for one of these teams, and I thought when he got to the Revs down there, I was pretty sure that we were going to see him take him. So it's a little bit surprising, but maybe the Revs saw something in Stephen Perry. They, you know, they do their, their scouting. They do their homework on these guys. So you know, I'm sure they saw Herrick during the season, and maybe they saw Perry as well and were a little bit more impressed by him so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out uh, on that end. But with the next pick, the Revs got, an, I got, a, got a guy in Ryan Kinney who uh, I, I think they kind of got a steal that late in the, in the draft. Kinney is a guy who um, I wouldn't say had a standout combined, but he, he, looked, he certainly held his own in the combined. He was a first-team All-American, yeah, a multiple-time first-team All-American, actually, uh, two times in a row. And n- nobody else in the draft outside of Zach McMath and uh, Michael Farfan can make that claim. So certainly he did a great job in, in college. Um, but he's a guy that I think can play a little bit at right midfield, can play up top, um, and could be a versatile player that could help out the Revs.
4: Yeah, I think it's a key word versatile, and I think I think Nickel and, and Mike and Mike Burns love that word. And I think he's, I think Kinney is a guy who it gives them exactly what they're looking for in terms of kind of flex in terms of the flexibility they've they've kind of craved in, in in the past when it comes to player signing. So I think Kinney is a guy who who can score goals, he can play in the midfield. I mean, if he's in, if he competes. I mean, bringing in a guy like him, you you bring in a guy who can compete uh, at three different at three different positions, whether it's withdrawn forward or, or up top or you know on the right on the right with you know push maybe pushing Sonny and Niasa a little bit. So, um, you know, when it comes to Kenny, I think he's he's really he brings an impressive resume. He's he's a double-digit uh, goal scorer for his junior sophomore his sophomore junior senior season. So I think he's a guy that I think could really really. Maybe be the sleeper in terms of the draft goes because you know just looking at you know cause, cause soccer news, first team All American and you know just he he just seems to be the guy that could really really make an impact in uh, in the preseason.
3: Yeah, and he's a guy that we might talk about consistency over his college career. Scored ten goals both his sophomore and junior season, then scored twelve goals the senior season, had you know six plus assists uh, his final three years as well. Um, I think the one knock on him is playing in the NEC, which is. By no stretch a soccer powerhouse conference whatsoever. I think I think had he you know, been in a, in a team in a better conference, to put up those numbers, he would have been you know, first or second rounder, you know, two-time All-American. That's you know, nothing nothing to uh, to ignore. He's been a, a, an excellent player for Monmouth, and you know as, as much as you can write him off for playing in the NEC. Monmouth's the team that's really come on strong these past two seasons. They've been in the NCAA tournament. They've you know, been nationally ranked. They're they're a solid team, and I, I think he, like you said, could be a steal this draft if the you know, the refs can use him right. Uh, I think he's another guy that they're probably pleasantly surprised to see him still around there.
4: Yeah, I think he's he's the ultimate kind of value pick for the Revs, and Revs will always go for value. And I think a guy like Kenny is is another low risk kind of uh, kind of flyer. I think he's a guy that could, you know, like you said, it's not just goals, but he can also he can also dish it out. I mean, six assists, seven assists, six assists in his in his senior, junior, sophomore year. So, um, you know, he not only can he score, but he can also. It also looks like he can pass. Pretty pretty well, so I think um, you know I think he's a guy that could give him tremendous tremendous versatility and uh, can you know push can can push a guy like Niasse or can push a guy like Shalovsky and, um, and you know really make an impact during the preseason.
3: And it doesn't hurt that he's a New England native either, Not from, at all. <laughs> from from Nagasaki, Connecticut, and a health studies major. So maybe uh, he can help avoid that injury bug that's been fighting <laughs> the Revs so much over the recent years.
2: <laughs> but, yeah,
3: but going for the uh, final pick in the draft, with the uh, Revs had in the in the third round. Uh, bringing up Alan Koger, uh, a guy that really I can't say I've heard anything about going in this draft. He wasn't he wasn't in the combine. He wasn't really on anyone's uh, on anyone's radar that I was aware of. Um, the revs the rev, I, don't, I mean he, the revs said they tried to contact him and didn't even get in touch with them during the draft, so they weren't even sure he was aware the draft was going on. Um, but you know, he, he's a guy again another another big forward. Um, you know, target guy. It'll be interesting to see what he can bring to the table for the Revs. Um, a guy that certainly, I don't think either of us has seen very much of. What have you heard about him?
4: Yeah, honestly, I mean, looking back at his stats, looking at his bio, I mean, he's a guy that can score um, offhand. I think he had 20 something goals uh, in in about 80 80 games in uh, college. So, I mean, looking at his stats just just based on stats, uh, he was a guy who kind of stepped in his freshman year and pretty much didn't let go of the uh, of the forward position. Um, over at William Mary. So I think a guy like him is, you know, a, a guy that's low, another low risk taking, um, no, uh, low risk, uh, selection. Um, and who knows? You know, we always see guys, you know, who kind of come out of nowhere and, uh, and, you know, ha- have the ability to kind of, to kind of impress some, to kind of impress the coaching staff and, you know, come first kick. You know, they're on the opening day roster. So, uh, you know, a guy that I think, Admittedly and not too many people knew about, but you know, apparently the uh Rez knew something that we didn't and, and took him with the uh took him with the fifty fourth selection. Um, you know, at least he didn't at least he didn't say he was drafted by the wrong team. A la <laughs> Zach Shalowski last year. No offense to Zach, but um but uh, you know, maybe he's the guy that, that, that opened some eyes in the in the front office, and we'll see if he continues to do so in preseason.
3: Yeah, hopefully, if they can reach him soon and uh, make sure yes. he knows he was drafted. <laughs> but he's a guy that had nine goals and two assists his senior year, so never really a prolific scorer. Like you mentioned, he had 29 goals and 10 assists over his college career. Um, so it was an interesting pick. I think to me, the one thing that showed there were a lot of guys from New England uh, colleges that were around that I thought maybe would have been even better picks. A guy like Dan Keat, who showed pretty had a pretty decent combine. Um, you know Carl Reddick, who we'd heard before, the what was a uh, guy the revs had talked to and showed interest in, um, and guys like that I thought might have gone there. Um, Greg King, who I think a lot of people thought was going to be a second round in this draft, was still available. Uh, but of course, Keat and King, uh, Keat being from New Zealand and uh, King being from Australia, um, would have been international players. And I think the fact that they took Kojer um, shows me that the revs really do have some other international signings lining up, and they want to keep those spots. Um, I know Mike Barnes mentioned after that they wanted, a, you know, Mike Barnes and Steve Nichol mentioned want another one or two. Um, looks like at least two more international signings. And to me, I think the fact that they shied away from those players. Another guy, uh, Joel Plata, who I thought was, you know, arguably one of the best top five players in the combine, um, despite his 5'3" height that everyone seems to talk about so much. Even though I <laughs> think it's, you know, less relevant to a left midfielder and uh, you know, an attacking player than you know, say a striker and a center back. Um, I thought that was made too big of a deal out. But he was a guy the Revs could have gotten in the in the third round and passed over, which again, you know, makes me think that they really are trying to save those international spots and might have, you know, an, another one or two guys already you know, close to signing.
4: Yeah, I mean, especially you know in the later rounds, I I would I would be shocked if they would have taken taken a flyer on on either Keith or King. And I think he's a, I think both players while they are good, I think um you know the international you know they're they're uh, you know they're as international players. I think. Is one less one less um, one less bullet in the in the chamber when it comes to finding guys who can who can help the team next year. And I think you are right. I think the I think the uh, brain trust is looking abroad and you know reserving three at, um, you know international spots to see if they can see who they can bring in um, this season. So I think it's not it obviously doesn't speak on on their talent. It's just so much that. Um, it, it's all about it's it's all about having those selection having those those slots open uh, going to find guys abroad. So um, you know I think the revs definitely kept that in mind throughout the throughout the entire throughout the entire draft as far as what their what their roster what their roster spots were looking at going in and then exiting as as far as uh, going going forward and finding other guys in the in the future.
3: And, and looking at who they drafted, do you think they had a particular type of forward in mind? If you look at Perry, he's a six foot uh, tall guy that was a state champion. At uh, high jump, uh, and he was a you know a runner in the runner up in the long jump. A, you know clearly an athletic guy, a guy who can get up in the air. You know hopefully get on the end of crosses. Uh, you know has, hopefully has good heading ability for the team. Uh, and then of course a guy like Alan Kojer, who's six foot two, another big target in the box. I think that was kind of their focus for forwards, was to kind of get a guy with height and a guy that can you know, get on the end of the crosses because that seemed to be the you know, the main rev strategy in the past couple of years is to have you know, Niazi and Mansali get to the end line and try to get those crosses in.
4: Yeah, I think it was definitely, it must have been a factor, only for the fact that, because you're right, I think last year, um, you know I can only I could only think of two guys off the top of my head that could you know win, that could win those balls in the air and that was Joseph and Perovic, and I think everyone else and maybe later on stoitza but I think uh, you know for the most part I think that that there in light a huge difficulty was not being able to convert those those uh, those spot kicks and it was it was it was tough especially because Perovic was more than a guy that took those spot kicks so so you only have Joseph and that was your only options on, on a lot of set pieces so um you know I think that's certainly... Probably it, it certainly played a factor into their selections when it when it comes to the revs um, as far as their weaknesses last year, and that uh, that being a glaring weakness was the fact that they they their success ratio on, on set pieces was just not that great, and obviously it translated into uh, a less than stellar record. So um, any guys that a, a, anytime you can bring in guys that can you know win balls in the air, and I, I just think it's it's win win, especially um, when you can find them in the later rounds.
3: Yeah, and looking at the, these guys, it's gonna be. A lot of competition in the Revs' camp now for those forward spots. I mean, they got Shalowski, they got Dube, uh, Stolica, and now they have these three other guys that can play forward, as well as Kenny Mansali, who's you know, done very well for himself when he's been up top. Um, it's going to be uh, difficult, I think, for all three of these guys to make it onto the roster. I think, you know, I'd be, I'd be a little bit surprised, actually, if all three of them do end up signing, but uh, do you think that's a good thing for the Revs to have all these guys on there?
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, anytime you can bring in more competition, I think last year there, there wasn't a lot of competition at forward. I think. You know, looking at last year's roster, I mean, they had they had Twelman, but obviously his his status was kind of tentative. They weren't sure if he was coming back. I think they were kind of optimistic that he would come back. But, um, you know, just going into camp last year, I mean, they had Cholosky, they had Dubay, and, you know, they had Mansali who could kind of, you know, in a pinch play play a forward, a forward position. Um, and I, I don't think there was that much competition, but this year, you're right. I mean, they have five guys who can play striker. Um, and you, whenever you can get that kind of competition, it pushes, not only does it push the younger guys, but it also, it's also good to see you have guys like Stelitsa and Dubay, who's going into his fourth year, who can kind of tutor these guys and tell them, you know, what, what, what they need to work on. So, um, you know, I think that whenever you have, especially when, especially when you have a pressing need for at a certain position like forward, I think it, I think competition does, does nothing but help.
3: Yeah, and we also talked to Vice President of Player Personnel, Mike Burns, after the draft and his thoughts on the Revs' picks, and also he kind of put things in perspective. I think he said what everyone wanted to hear is that you know, this is just the first, you know, one of this, this is one step towards building the team, and we do want to go after and get more veterans and experienced players, and we do have uh, Mike Burns' comments, which will play now.
1: the mindset drafting McCarthy and I think, um, you know, we, we had our board, and um, we had both those players pretty high on our board, and, Um and we also feel not only quality players, and hopefully they're going to help us. We felt like they felt they filled the need. We were certainly looking for a central defender, we're looking for a central midfielder, um, and we're looking for forwards as well. And we think in this draft we, we addressed a lot of our needs, obviously from a domestic player standpoint. Um, but this is just another step in the process. We're still looking to acquire a couple international players as well. But you know, I think I think it's, it's normal when everyone leaves the draft, they always feel pretty good about what they've who they've drafted. Um, but really, the, the true test will tell once we get preseason and get everyone acclimated and get them into the locker room and we start training. But, you know, we feel, on paper, we feel pretty decent about what transpired today for us. Were you a little surprised that McCarthy was available? Yeah, to be honest with you. I mean, I think when you look at it, um, the league had signed 10 generation Adidas players, I think five or six seniors, and, and for, for us to, and McCarthy being one of them, for him to slip I guess a little bit um, we were pleasantly surprised that he was there in the second round for us to take so we felt uh, we felt pretty good about that and we're a little surprised that he was there and He's one of those guys, an ACC guy that you, you get a chance to see a lot with. what are the kind of strengths of his game? Well he's definitely an imposing physical player um, that hopefully is going to have a presence an additional presence in our midfield um, and so it was it um, our coaches had seen him a lot. Obviously, we get a we're with BC, and we get a lot chance to see a lot of the ACC schools. Um, but then get another opportunity to see him in the combine, and knowing that he was a signed player with the league was it was all positives for us. But like I said, he's a big, physical, strong player. But Philly also, you know. Fairly technical as well, so he could hopefully develop into an opposing central midfield player for us. Is the guy you see competing for a starting spot right away? Listen, I hope they're all competing for starting spots. <laughs> um, how realistic is that? I, you know, remains to be seen. But you know, there's been guys that we've drafted over the years in the first or second round that have started and not started. and There's been guys who have drafted in the third round, fourth round, supplemental rounds that end up being starters. So you know, every year you go into it, if you get one, two, three guys out of it that make contributions in the first year, you've had a pretty successful draft. But it's obviously much too early to tell how that's going to play out, but as I said earlier, we feel pretty good about the guys that we were able to get, Um, and we'll see in a couple weeks. I mean, we've spoken to all of them, um, with the exception of Allen, who... Uh, maybe he's in, I don't know, he didn't pick up his phone. I don't know if he knew the MLS draft was going on today. Um, but the the rest of them, either we saw here live or we spoke to on the phone. And, you know, to a man, they're all pretty excited to join us. So that's that's positive.
3: And source is a guy that some people compare to Michael Parker. Do you see some of those same qualities in him?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I, listen, I don't like comparing players like that. I think it's either unfair to Michael or unfair to A.J., but for sure he's a cerebral-type player, Um, reads the game really well, and we've heard a lot of good things about him on the field and off the field from a leadership standpoint, from a human being standpoint. Um, So we were were actually like... McCarthy in the second round, we were just as pleased that A.J. was at six, because we thought he may have gone even a little bit higher, so we were, we were really we we're pleased with, with those two guys. Are some guys left on your board that you're looking for in the supplemental draft? Yeah, I think, I think. I don't want to say that it's, it's higher risk, but I, I think you noticed towards the latter part of the third round, there were some guys that weren't at the combine, and I think you'll see some more of those guys drafted in the supplemental round, whether they be local guys, but, yeah, hopefully, listen, uh, we've had some guys in the past that have come through the supplemental draft as well. So um, we'll, we'll look at a couple more on, on Tuesday. Burns was, was obviously excited
3: with the two first-round picks and um, clearly had the right mindset, and, as, like we mentioned, in saying that they were going to try to get more international players, and this was just one step of the process. Um, but w- how do you feel the revs did with this draft? Do you think they, they came away with a, a pretty, pretty solid haul?
4: I think, honestly, I although I did previously say that I would have gone forward first and then defender last I think that they addressed exactly what they needed to address, and that was the spine. I think they needed to get a center back. I think they needed to get another central midfielder, and they definitely needed to look at some strikers. So I think overall, I think they they got exactly what they were looking for, and I think they got pretty good players for what they were looking for. Um, you know, Soros being the kind of the center piece because he was the uh, the first round pick. So um, I think they did really really well. I think I think Ber- uh, Mike Burns and I think uh, Steve Nichol have to be pleased with what they what they were able to come away with yesterday. Um, finding a quality center back, um, you know, in stores, and, and a guy like McCarthy, who, to their, uh, to their amazement, and as Mike Burns was just saying, uh, to find him, you know, fall to the second round. I think, uh, you know, he was pleasantly surprised. I think a lot of people were within the Revs camp. So I think. Um, those two players themselves um, kind of really made the draft for them, and uh, two quality players. And then when you can bring in guys like Perry, Kroger, Kroger, and Kinney, um, guys who you know who who have uh, decent resumes in in the NCAA. Um, you know, looking back at it, I think they I think they made uh, the right calls on pretty much every every pick.
3: Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you on that. Um, that they they did very well in the first and second round, and they addressed the address need in the third with Ford. I, I was a little bit surprised to see them bring in that many. For us in the last round, I think they have another couple other needs that they. I thought I would have liked to have seen them address uh, in that third round. Of course, they may be able to do that in the supplemental draft. Uh, We'll see, but it's more like like said, it's more a lot. You you need a lot to get a lot luckier in the in the supplemental draft to come away with a guy that can fill in those roles. Um, But we talked to, and we'll talk about a couple of those positions later. But we also talked to Steve Nickel and we have his thoughts on the draft, which she can play for you now.
2: No, well, we're happy. You know, we kind of, we always, we always kind of come into the drafts hoping that, you know, if we can get one guy at the draft who's going to start in the team, then that's, that's, that's always the objective. Uh, obviously, if we can get more than that, then that's even better. So, you know, I think with the the group that we've got from today, certainly one of them, maybe two, but you never know, maybe three. So, we're more than happy first talked about being kind of an intelligent player in the back and that's right. how he fits in the team is that a quality you saw on him when you drafted him yeah absolutely you know I said he it, it, it looks it looks real mature um, and when you're at the back you know defensively you need somebody who's organising and who's looking who's taking care of what's going on behind the people in front of them. Um, and that's something that you'll definitely be able to do uh, Mike Burns
3: said he was a bit surprised that McCarthy lasted to your pick in the second round. He seemed to have
2: a great combine. Were you surprised to see him there? And What quality do you think he brings to the team? Yeah, we were a wee bit. You know, I mean, he's he's a combination of a guy that wants to pass the ball, but who's a huge physical presence. Um, you know, if he if he can use them to, to his and our advantage uh, correctly and, and consistently, then he'll do great as well. The three fours you got in the third round, uh, what did you see in that Well, you know, they're the, a the combination of guys that can score and, and guys who play for the team. Um, so our job is to, the ones that score, let's make them play for the team, and the ones that just play for the team, let's try and get them to score. So we're just going to try and put all that together. Was, was there a
1: specific
2: need you went into the draft looking for? I mean, I guess you always have your ideal, but, you know, we, we need... We needed, uh, certainly the team needs strengthening in, in, in more than just one area. So, you know, it was kind of an open, an open draft for us. You know, whatever we got, we felt that,
3: you know, it could probably help us. So Steve Nichol, obviously, again, please, head coach Steve Nichol, please, with the uh, Revolution's first two picks. Uh, again, both both Nichol and Burns weren't weren't ready to say that either of these two guys would be starters right in the lineup. They, you know, the key there, wait and see when they come to camp. Of course, we talk about how, how it looks good that they brought in this guy. I don't mean It looks good like they brought in these guys, but
4: you never know until you actually see them on the field. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just look back to uh, Leandro de Oliveira. I mean, he was a guy that they drafted, you know, back in 06. I mean, he was he was a guy that did really, really well in, in in the NCAA's, and then just never panned out for the Revs. And uh, another example is you know Rob Valentino, a guy that you know w- looked like he could be their future center back. Uh, they're a center back of the future, and he just you know never panned out. So I think the I think the brain trust is wise to say you know let's not annoy any of the, these guys' starters just yet, but. Um, but they are confident that these guys can can obviously contribute at some point, just given the fact that they were willing to take them so uh, uh, willing to take them so early. Obviously, Saurus being one of them. And, you know, like Mike Burns had said, surprising they were able to take McCarthy in the uh, in the second round. So I think they I think to be able to get those two kind of players and to be able to see their potential, bringing guys who do have the kind of potential to kind of step in on uh, on the first day of uh, camp and maybe the first first game of the season and contribute. Um, you know, I, I think they're pleased with with, with those prospects
3: yeah I'm, I'm looking at what we mentioned earlier that they, some of the other needs that we, we need to see them address or that they need to address um, going forward. Uh, one of them certainly was right back. I don't think they did that in, the, in this draft. That's a guy that's hopefully a position that they can at least get someone out of the supplemental who's a natural supplemental draft. who's a natural right back because right now Alston, in his bad hamstring is the only guy on the roster um, who can play right back who's a, who that's his natural position. We saw Tierney play there. We saw Osea fill in. I don't think either of them are, are ideal options back there. So that, I think that's a spot that you know maybe they should have gone after someone in the third round. Personally, I, I can't think of any real standout right backs that were left at, left at that point, or anyone that really stood out. And I can't really think of anyone in the supplemental draft either. Certainly that's that's left, um, but hopefully they can find someone in that spot uh, to to fill in.
4: Yeah, it's also tough to also understand because um, you know like Mike Barnes had mentioned, they also have they also they're also looking at guys on the international on the international level. So. You know, you have one board with, which has guys that they were looking at in the draft, but I'm sure they also have another board of guys that they're looking abroad and saying, okay, well, we're looking at a right back right now, but obviously they're not disclosing it. So, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to really tell, um, you know, who who they have lined up on the international on the international market. I mean, you you could think based, I mean, based on a d- deduction, maybe they do have somebody at right back that they're looking at abroad. Um, and you know, maybe they are looking. Maybe the f- slots that weren't filled yesterday are guys are, are slots that are. That are being filled on their other on their other board in terms of international signings. So, um, but then again, you know, there's 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 still uh, the supplemental draft, and you know, I'm sure I, I'd be surprised if they didn't look at a right back, you know, in in the, in the uh, supplemental draft.
3: It's yeah, me that to me the right back is that one one position where I think you can pretty much say Kevin Olsen has the spot, the starting spot locked down at least in Steve Nichols' might you know he had a very good rookie season. He maybe tailed off a little bit, just dropped off in form a little bit last year, but I think he certainly has the skills and athleticism to to get the job done. Um, so that's the spot that I think he's going to be holding on the starting spot. So it almost makes it seem like it would make sense to, you know, look in the third round. Oh, this guy's not going to be a starter. We can bring him along and develop him over an international player for for that partic- particular position.
4: Yeah, and, and especially given the fact that you know he kind of hit some uh, some the injury bug yes last year with uh, with his hamstring. So it was kind of tough to see you know, uh, you know say kind of moved, being shifted over to the right, like you had said, Tierney was shifted over to the to the right back slot. And they were kind of be they were able to kind of put a bandaid on 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 that uh, on that area, but at the same time, you're right. They don't have beyond uh, Kevin Olsen. They really don't have a true right back. So. Um, you know, it's something that I think that they, they'll probably address, whether it's through the supplemental draft or whether it's through the international market. Um, I think that's definitely one area that they do need to look at as far as getting reinforcements, because you know, no, there's no guarantee that any any player will stay healthy for for the entire season. So um, that would probably be a, a position that the revs probably will look at going forward.
3: And sticking sticking on that right side, the other area the revs are really lacking in depth right now is right midfield. Uh, they they do have Zach Boggs who can play there and uh, Roberto Link, who can play there. Neither of them are signed right now. Of course, Nyasi uh, the starter last year, will be back, and you know, presumably the starter again this year, pending an you know, international signing. But after him, they don't really have any natural right-sided uh, midfielders that are actually signed and guaranteed to be coming in next season. I think their, their best backup at right, at right mid is Marco Perovic, and he does a, you know, a more than adequate job there. But then you're taking away from his uh, ability at left mid or at... As a uh, withdrawn forward or attacking midfielder Where I think he's much more comfortable And can provide a lot more to the team um, when you put him there So that's another spot that I think that I would have liked to have seen them address And maybe Ryan Kinney, I guess he, can, he, can, he plays there a little bit Maybe we can see him there I'm not sure um, how that will work out I know he played there a little bit in the combine And did a, did a decent job there Nico wasn't ready to say that you know, he could play there um, for the team Until he sees what he can do in camp But I think that's another area that We would have liked to have seen them Bring some guy in to maybe even challenge Nyassi, or at the very least back him up. Um, Especially if Boggs and and Link don't don't get re-signed. That's a position that I'm sure they'll try to go after someone in the supplemental draft. But you never know in the supplemental draft if the guy's going to be professionally. Ready to play professional soccer?
4: Yeah, it's uh, you know, that that's a great point. I mean, as far as the as far as the right side goes, last year, I mean, the the Rebs were really hit hard when it came to uh, when it came to injuries. And I mean, granted, it was kind of the perfect storm of of injuries last year. It seemed like everyone, you know, everyone was hurt last year at some point or another. And um, you know, things were getting bad when you had Kelly Dube on the right. I mean, it was just, you know, he had one good game and then he had, you know, he didn't do so well after that. So, um, you know, it, it was tough to see them kind of. Kind of mix and match the parts last year. And then when you did have, like you said, when they did have, uh, Perovic on the right, you know, the left just became that much weaker and the, the attack just got that much softer. So, I mean, it's, uh, it was almost to the detriment that, that Perovic was forced over to the right on, on a few occasions. But, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, may, maybe, it is, it is an area that they are looking at abroad. Maybe it's, uh, something that they'll be looking at the supplemental draft. Um, but like you said, it's, it's another area that the revs need to address.
3: Yeah. And I, th- I think, like you mentioned, that's a, that's an area. Where I could see the revs almost going going abroad to try to find somebody for because Niasse is a good player, but I think he still has a a lot of room to develop. His crossing ability is his inconsistency there. I think he needs to work on. You know, he's he's got a ton of speed. He's got a lot of skill. Uh, you gotta, he got he needs to be more consistent with that final pass. And you know, certainly Steve Rawlson, the master of mm-hmm. consistency with that. If they can bring in a veteran to you know play him and also bring along Nyasi help coach him and encourage him and get him to work on that, I think that would be you know, a great thing for the Rebs. You know, bo- both wings, really, whether it's Mansali or Tierney on the left or uh, and Niasse on the right, I think they could use a-, a veteran presence there to help out. Of course, you may see Perovic move back to left midfield, depending on you know, how the striker situation plays out, or whether the revs play a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2. I'm thinking they're probably
4: going to stick with a 4-4-2, but you know, I, think- I think that's a spot where uh, they could use an experienced guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think Niasse really developed really well under under Steve Ralston. Whenever you have a guy like Steve Ralston on your roster, to be able to bring bring along the the newer guys like the uh, like the Niasse's and, and and like even to a certain extent the Wells Thompsons when he was in New England, I think I think it, it's win-win for all sides. I think uh, you know a guy like Ralston, um, you know, obviously you're not going to bring in another Ralston, but you can bring in a, 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 a you know a similar kind of player. Um, First player that comes to mind is a guy like Dave Vandenberg a guy who was let like, go oh, by FC Dallas last year. And you know, bringing a guy who knows who, who's who's you know mastered the trade and who can who can not only add add something to your team but can also help develop your players. He's almost a he's almost a coach on the field and he's uh, another coach in, in training that can kind of you know work with these guys. I think um I think it was kind of obvious last year because the Revs didn't really have uh you know Rawson that much that 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 long and um there were times where Niasse just seemed like he was lost and. Um, I think that's, that's when you notice that uh, a veteran presence would, would be to his benefit and to the, to the team's benefit as a whole.
3: Yeah, and, and I think there are a few guys in the supplemental draft that you might see the revs take that you know, could potentially help there. A guy like Carl Reddick, I think he saw some time at right mid in the combine. I don't think he was too impressive there, but you know, he's a guy that we mentioned earlier the revs had uh, reportedly contacted, um, and you know, maybe we'll see him, him as an option in the supplemental draft, a local, a local BC guy, so you know, he's the option there. Like we mentioned before, guys like Dan Keat and Greg King, um, Keat is time with the New Zealand national team, uh, so he's a, or the youth national teams at least. So he's an experienced player. Nickel might have seen him um, in the under-17 World Cup up in Canada, where he spotted um, Ansali and Niasi. Since Keat actually played against them in that, in that tournament, he's a guy who can you know, play as an attacking center mid. But again, that's a risk that the Rebs would have to take bringing in a guy who would be an international spot. But at the same time, when you're going in the supplemental draft, uh, guys like that aren't necessarily aren't, aren't already signed by the league, so the Rebs could bring in Keat and then decide they actually don't want to sign him and. Nothing. Nothing's really lost by that when you're taking a guy in the supplemental draft. The same thing with Greg King from Australia. You know, he's a solid defender across the trust the back line. Doesn't offer too much going forward, but you know, defensively he's a you know solid option that could bring in. And if he you know, if he doesn't work out, you know no no harm, no real harm lost. Uh, At that stage in the draft, not taking him.
4: Yeah, there's really no harm in taking anybody for that matter in in the supplemental draft. Like you'd said, you know, if you bring in a guy like he or if you, or or if you, um, you know, bring in guys like that, I mean, there's really no harm in bringing them in and at least saying, hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you a few weeks to see if you fit into, fit into our system. And if they do, hey, great, you know what? You you bring them and you sign them. You know, it it goes back to the old saying, you know, one hand is worth one and two than Bush. And it's, it's just to have a player that you know that can develop, that you know you can develop and, We'll get consistency out of is way better than having an open slot that you know that'll be filled at you know at a, a time to be determined later, and you just you just never know. So, um, you know, and it's also uh, and it's also if you're going to bring in guys to to help contribute younger guys out of college, I mean this is the time to do it. Um, you know, last year wasn't the best year in the world for the Ravs, and this is, this is, needless to suffice to say, it's a rebuilding year. It's going to be a year in which they, they probably will tinker with a lot of, with a lot of guys. They will tink, they may be, tink, they may tinker with the, uh, with the formation. We may see a three five two at some point this year. Um, but I think if you're going to do it, you might as well just do it now. I mean, uh, preseason is a time where you, you evaluate a lot of guys, and one guy that I think off the top of my bat, off the top of the bat that, that really improved, that really kind of showed himself well was, was Christiani a guy who, you know, they kind of brought in, and then when they, they they liked what they saw, they took him in the supplemental draft. And I know the timing isn't the same this year, but it's something that you know that could you know pan out. And it was low risk for the, it was almost no risk for the revs when it comes to that. So, um, you know, bringing a guy like he and I, you know, if he impresses, great, give him that international spot. But if he doesn't, you know, send him on his way, and still, and you still have three spots to work with.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned Tierney. He's a guy that just resigned with the revs too. And uh, looking at some of the other other news, touch upon briefly, of course, Reese. Uh, re-signed earlier. Shuttleworth upgraded the senior roster. Um, Ryan Cochran picked up the re-entry draft and signed by the Revs. Um Some guys who look likely to be out going, although there's still the outside chance, but doesn't, we've heard no mention of it, so it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Guys like Preston Burpo, uh, Kano Smith, Nico Kuluka, all their options were declined, and so we're, we're assuming they're not going to be back. Um, Corey Gibbs, of course, uh, options declined, and he was subsequently selected and signed by the Chicago Fire, so he's definitely not going to be back. Um, guys like that, and then of course mentioned, touched upon briefly, Zach Boggs, Roberto link uh, Tim Murray, uh, as well as Jason Griffiths, all without contracts going into the season. So there's a lot of flexibility for the Reds oh, yeah. right now. Uh, plenty of open roster spots, plenty of cap space. Um, of course, they drafted Fred in the re-entry draft, and he has yet to sign. Um, of course, the the team so he's still exploring sp- options in Brazil, um, and as far as we know, that's what, what what's going on. But you know, there was a little bit of a Thing on his Twitter that implied that he might be joining the Rebs, but we haven't heard anything on that since, so can't can't confirm that's happening. But of course, until he signs with another team, you know, still fair game for the Rebs to try to get him. And he's a guy that um, could be that guy to help bring along Niasse and uh, Mansali on the wings and mentor them there. So he, I think he could be a solid addition if you know, he does end up coming. And until he signs in Brazil or Australia, there's really been no rumors of any team right now that he's you know, been linked to lately. So he's he's an option out there. Um, and then that leads us to some of the crazy rumors that we've heard over in, from Italy to Turkey to you know, just about everywhere out there. You know, the Revs names are actually Rev's name is actually being linked to, to these guys and even though a lot of them seem pretty unrealistic, um, it's good just to see the Rev's name out there because you know, frequently the Revs have not been involved in any of these uh, rumors whatsoever, but now that they've made the announcement that they're you know, gonna go after a designated player. Um, their name has been mentioned with a lot of these guys which yeah, that in itself isn't a bad thing to see
4: yeah it's a, it's a positive dilemma it's 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 nice to be able to see the revs actually linked with some quality players abroad and I mean anytime you can you can kind of generate that kind of you know wh- whether or not whether they they have you know a, a lot of truth or no truth behind them it's it's at least good to see the discussion being geared towards the rev signing you know a, a guy like maybe Alex or a guy like benny McCarthy um you know whether or not that happens, obviously we don't know and it's probably very low at this point, but it's at least a, po- a positive development that you know that the revs are being associated with guys who of of international quality who can come in and and could you know very well contribute um and and be able to uh, to help the team get back to the playoffs so um you know there's no such thing as bad publicity, I guess, when it comes to uh, rumors. So uh, anytime you see the refs connected, even if it's even if it's you know uh, to to the slightest the slightest thread of, of rumor uh, of truth, um, you know it's good to see them being at least at least it's good to see them you know at the center of uh, of these rumors to see you know and who knows maybe one does pan out.
3: Yeah, some of the other guys they've been linked to a guy like Marco Materazzi who yeah. um, th- at this point in his career and after they get sores, it doesn't seem likely at all that they would go after him at this point. Um, but uh, he, was a, he was a name that was briefly mentioned. Uh, another guy, uh, Nuno Gomes from Nuno Gomes from Portugal, um, has, who's seemingly been on the Rev's radar for a while, at least if you believe uh, reports more overseas, was again mentioned recently. You know, he's up there in his career and hasn't been in the top form lately. So it seemed like maybe a bit of a stretch to make him a DP at this point. Um, another guy as well, I mean, maybe you could sign him for cheaper, but it, that also seems hard to believe that he'd come over here for less than DP money. Uh, another guy that was recently mentioned in the Boston Globe by Frank DeLapa is uh, Ousmane Dabo, uh, French, another French player who actually has the same agent as Dome. He's played three times for the French national team. He's a center midfielder. Um, again, uh, maybe a little bit less likely now that they got McCarthy that they sign him, um, but he would be a guy that would probably come for less than designated player money and has a lot of a lot of good experience, and you know that connection with Dome's agent, as you know, Frank, Frank from the Boston Globe pointed out, would uh, make him feasible as well, so... Those are a couple of a couple, f- several options that have been presented for the Revs, Whether any of them have any truth to them, who knows? You know, I know you and I both uh, love the Alex rumor because <laughs> you know, he's been a favorite players of ours. And it was interesting recently looking on his Facebook that uh, his Facebook and his official page that he he wrote a letter to fans saying how uh, he was hoping to go back to Fenerbahce, but they hadn't contacted him in two months, and now he's accepting offers from other teams. So at least in that one, there's a you know, a hint of you know possibly being realistic that you know, the revs could at least make an offer to him and see what he thinks. But you know, those, those are a, a lot of big-name players out there that we're seeing linked to the revs. something that you you would never see before. And, and who, who would you think, or at least what position-wise, you think would be the key for the, the revs if they were to go out and get a designated
4: player at this point? I think you have to look up top. I think you have to definitely go with a forward. I think you have to go with... Um with a guy like Alex who can who can just, you know, take over a match and just you know, when you need him, I mean he's he's there and he's ready to give you a goal when you need it like late in the game. And um, you know that's that. I think that would be the position. If you're going to look at one position, I would have to say forward. And I think you do need a guy who can who can finish because I think with a lot of the forwards that they have on their team, the problem has always been finishing. I mean, the the shots go you know left, right, everywhere but the net. It seems with guys like Dubay and and to a lesser extent, you know, Shaloski. Shaloski does have a little bit of a better touch, I think, than than Dubay. But um, but I think that's that's been the problem. It's just they they just can't seem to finish a lot of a lot of their strikers. Um, it, it seems to be an, an ongoing problem since since Taylor Twellman um what was eventually knocked out uh, for his career um, but one other play that I would like to see and it was just something that I just that I just struck me was um there's another player out in Portugal who plays for Sporting, and his name is Alieczon. Uh, and, and do I think he'll come to the Res? Absolutely not. I think he's still too good of a player to to accept uh, to to come to to come to the States. And even if you threw millions of dollars at him, I don't think he'd come here. But he's a guy that I've, I've watched over the years, and he's a guy that's not only good in the air, he has exceptional exceptional finishing abilities. Um, but again, would he come here? Uh, again, I'm just speculating. But he's he's a guy I think. Um, uh, the type of player who has no problem in the air can can he's he's not the biggest guy in the world he's I think he's about six foot but he's really really real thin so um, could he take the punishment of less? probably not but um uh, but I think I'd like to see a guy like him who is just you know an all around all around striker can win balls in the air can can finish with the best of them and it um, also has pretty good speed uh, to say the least so um, I, I like to see a guy like him come up the rest whether it's him or whether it's another player. Or whether it's a guy like Alex who can just, you know, we, we've seen we've seen him play, and it's he's he's a guy that that could looks like he could take over a match at any point in time.
3: Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm absolutely agree with you that if they go, do get one just one designated player that you know, striker needs to be the main focus. Uh, not only do they got lack guys that have that killer instinct and finishing, I think Shlowski showed it a bit in a few games. Uh, Stolica. I think, uh, especially with the preseason behind him, can work really well with this team. Um, but like Dubay, like you mentioned last year, especially it was pretty glaring. He got in some great spots, but just couldn't find the back of the net. And it seemed like he was missing from just about everywhere at the start of the season. It took him a long time to you know, get his first goal of last year. So I think that's a spot they really need to focus on. You know, Juan Pablo Anhel, you know, at least short term, could be the answer up there if they if they do manage to sign him without giving up too much. But you know, at the same time, they also need better service from the wings. Cause, you know, even the best of forwards isn't gonna find the back of the net if you can't get the ball to him.
4: Yeah, and that's and that's and that would be my my the next area I would address would be would would be the wings. I mean, I would I would definitely want to bring in somebody on the right um, that that could that could give the service to this forwards because, like you said, this uh, a good forward is only as good as his service. And, and if you're not getting service, I mean, Teosfomen will probably tell you the same thing. You know, when he's not getting the ball, he can't score. So. Um, I think that's that would probably be the next area I, I would address. And you know, a guy like Nuno Gomes is kind of kind of a guy who could play on the right. Um, but like you had said, I mean, I, looking at the last last few seasons of him playing with Benfica, he's a guy that comes off the bench late in the game, and he just seems that the best. I mean, even even the best of his uh, of, of his career passed by you know years ago. Unfortunately, um, could he give the refs something? Uh, probably, but for an entire season, I'm not so sure. So. Um, if you're going to use CP money, I wouldn't use it on him. If you can get him for a little bit less, I, you know, then, then I'd probably consider, uh, it'd probably be, uh, uh, something to consider for the revs. But, um, you know, that would be the next spot. I, you know, right, right wing, um, left wing, I think Paravich is pretty good on the left. Um, he provides decent service. Um, but hey, if you can find something better than him, by all means, bring him. So, um, those would probably be the two or three areas that I'd, I'd focus on on the international market.
3: Yeah, and of course, if pair of even going on the left, you need to find someone who can you know, adequately take up up top next to Stolucer or you know, whoever's going to be playing up there. I think you need to find someone else who so can do that before you can even put them there. So that's a, you know, if you address the attacking problem, you help out the midfield problem. Just by doing that alone, you know, that helps out a bit uh, for sure. But uh, before we wrap things up here, looking forward to the Revs' uh, season kicking off in early March now. I believe March 20th against the LA Galaxy on the road. And then the revolution start at at home uh, soon after the earliest home opener in a in a long time uh, for the revs. So that it's going to be a not not too far for the revs to go. They haven't announced their preseason plans yet, but I think those are be coming out in the next few weeks. We've heard uh, that they're just finalizing those, or at least last week they were just finalizing those. So hopefully we'll hear something about those soon. But uh, the revs do have a not too much time left until they they kick off preseason training. I'd like to see them make a. A few more signings before that happens.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think they definitely need to make a splash in the international market. I think, I think once Brian Blalow told everyone that the the Revs were going to seek one or more desi, uh, one or more players of of DPA money, uh, worthy of DPA money. I think that really set the goal. I mean, they I, they really laid down the gauntlet. They said, you know, we're going to do this. And I think the time to do it is right before the season because you don't want to bring in a guy who isn't familiar with the team mid-season and then have and then kind of have them not not so much waste the season, but Use the latter part of the season to get acclimated. That's not the time you want to get used to. You want to get acclimated with, with your new teammates. You want to do that. You want to address that in the preseason. And, um, you know, the revs, you know, like a lot of MLS teams, you know, have a particularly lengthy, lengthy preseason. They usually go six or seven weeks. Um, so the time to do it would, would be now. It would be the, it would be the ideal time to bring in an international signing. And then maybe if it's not international signing, if you do bring in a guy like Juan Pablo on hell, now's the time to do it. You don't want to waste, you know, X amount of games or X part of the season, um, having them acclimate and saying, you know, he's not doing well because he's acclimating to the rest of the team. No, the, the time to acclimate is, is preseason. It's not. It's not in the middle of the season. It's not August or September. It's uh, it's it's now. So, um, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, especially with the draft picks. There's a lot to be excited about um, with Didier Doma. I think it, I think the the Reds have done. Um, in, in comparison to previous pre uh, off seasons i think they've been particularly proactive um which is always encouraging uh you know even though and like you had touched upon with fred i mean the likelihood of him signing seems to be minimal right now but you, things change we we, we we don't know i mean maybe maybe he doesn't get any flyers from any team down in brazil or or in australia and he comes back and he says okay what will you give me and maybe the you know the uh, the resler on the capper seat when it comes to that and all of a sudden, they have a guy at right midfield who can who can, pre, who can play pretty well in the league. So, um, I think there's a lot to be excited about uh, when it's all said and done.
3: Yeah, and like like I mentioned, the Revs season kicking off, you know, March March 20th against the Galaxy, and then they play March 26th at home against DC, the earliest home opener. And that should be interesting. Hopefully, all the snow is is well gone by then, because <laughs> right now it doesn't look like it's too appealing to, to play in a soccer match at Gillette Stadium. <laughs> Uh, But that's quickly coming up. But before we wrap things up, I do want to talk a bit about what we have upcoming on our site, uh, New England Soccer Today, which is anysoccertoday.com. And, of course, the drafts coming up, just passing by. I know we had some plans to do uh, grading the drafts, hopefully getting all of our writers on board with that and each each of us writing up a grade, which should should be interesting to see where, where the varying opinions fall on that one.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm excited about. It. I, I kind of already not, not to spoil it, but I I, I am gonna rank the revs pretty high when it comes to the uh, when it comes to their draft. I think they had a pretty good draft, and um, you know, and then obviously we'll also be co- we'll be taking care of the uh, you know supplemental draft. I mean, although it's kind of close to the close to the uh, media, um, it'll be conducted via conference call, um, you know, uh, uh, this 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 uh, next week. It it'll be um. It'll be interesting to see who the refs can kind of bring 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 in because just like like Mike Burns had referenced, I mean they have had they have found success in supplemental drafts. Probably the biggest success was Jeff Larentowicz, and although he wasn't an overnight sensation, he was a guy that, um, you know, thanks to thanks to the the players around him, thanks to um, you know, the the reserve league which we'll have this year, which is I think another plus for a lot of these draftees. So. Um, you know, even if a guy like Soros or McCarthy doesn't, you know, wow you in the preseason, they still have other games to fall back upon throughout the season and get and get minutes. Um, you know, I think it's it's something that um that will something that will definitely aid the chances of guys who will be taken in the supplemental draft and also the super draft.
3: Yeah, I'm talking about the supplemental draft. We're gonna have a I, I'm gonna put up a post soon where I look at the players that were projected to go on the super draft that are still available and left over in the supplemental draft. There are a few of them that you know, could could still be decent pickups for for teams, including the Rebs. On that next round, but you mentioned the reserve league. I you know uh, at the draft, Don Garber talked about that a little bit, about that coming back. That's going to be a huge, a huge boost for all these younger guys. You know, Thirty-man roster as well. We shouldn't have to have the Warriors worry about having you know, a two-man bench like <laughs> you know, they have it over the past few years when everyone's been injured. So that's a that's a big boost. Um, like, like you mentioned, Larranaws, he was a guy that was helped a lot by the reserve league and a guy that was a late-round pick. Uh, talking about late round picks, Andy Dorman was a guy taken in the fourth round of the Super Draft, which is now the first round of the Supplemental Draft. So there, are, there are gems that can be found late, late in these in these drafts. Just gotta get a little bit of luck. Uh, so that should be very interesting going forward.
4: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and who better to find them than uh, than uh, Steve Nichol? He's he's kind of the uh, kind of the master of finding gems in the rough and I mean, diamonds in the rough. And um, you know, any, and I think he'll he'll be the first to tell you that that the that the reserve league will be incredibly beneficial to the, a lot of these younger guys. Um, in terms of helping the club, whereas in the past, you know, you have guys like, um, you got, you do have guys like Griffiths and Boggs who probably, although Boggs was hurt toward the middle, uh, in the middle of the season, you have guys who can, you know, maybe they're not ready for the first team, but because, the, because of the injuries they were pressing the first team, they really weren't able to kind of get the, uh, uh, the, the, the minutes to, um, to, to kind of develop before they were completely ready for those, uh, those first team minutes. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know that's something that I that you know I'm sure you'll talk about in your article, and it's something that you know we'll focus in on and keep an eye on because you never know, like uh, you never know when you know the, the rest will find the next uh, you know Jeff Lorenowitz or maybe Andy Dorman guys who who can certainly provide uh, an exceptional amount of quality to to a team that that when they were with the team they they the team was extremely was extremely successful.
3: Yeah, it's certainly worth noting before I wrap it up on the Super Draft that. Is that that this this year in past years there's been some criticism the revs had you know, maybe traded up to get a guy like Wells Thompson or other players um, that they probably could have gotten later uh, guys like that and you know, reached for players that that you know were, were not projected by anyone to you know go that early and you know, that wasn't the case this year I think the revs kind of learned from some of their past mistakes where they've gotten guys you know injury prone guys like Leandro de Oliveira a guy like him um, you know, Rob Valentino another guy that was struggled with injuries. You know, they they got guys like that early, and then they didn't really work out. And they've gotten guys that you know were were overseas in hopes that they may come back. And for the most part, those haven't really worked out for the team either. And they completely avoided that this year. So I think they learned from you know what happened with those ones, and I think they went ahead and. Made better decisions in this draft than maybe we've seen in a, f- a few of the past ones.
4: Yeah, and I think um, I think like you had said, I think in previous years they kind of had a safety net because they did have that kind of veteran core. I think this year they, after after the the, the, the season they had last year, I think they they were kind of for it kind of focused them and said, okay, we can't take guys who are going to go abroad, you know, like the Mike Videras who went went abroad, came back a year later, and uh, you know, in the long run, just it didn't seem like it, it helped anybody. Um, and avoiding injury, injury play guys like Rob Valentino and Leandro Dialvera. But, um, but I think, I think last year really focused them not only in the super draft, but, you know, I, I, on the whole looking at bringing guys like Ryan Cochran, uh, Didier Doma, um, you know, and then bringing quality, you know, from all, from all, um, from all reports, quality players like, um, AJ Soares and, and Steve McCarthy to really say, wow, like I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were impressed, um, with, with their draft and the kind of players they were able to get.
3: Yeah, definitely definitely impressive draft. And before we wrap things up, talked about the site a bit. Um, of course, this podcast, the first, any, first first of anything Revolution Recap related that we've done in over two years now. So we're hoping hoping that we can bring it back this year. So a lot of work to be done there as far as uh, finding sponsorships and you know, getting that all wrapped up. But of course, if anyone is interested in sponsoring the show, you know, contact us at anysoccertoday at gmail.com or revolutionrecap.gmail.com, either of those. And Offer very very low rates just to you know, get the show back on the air. We had, we had a great time with it four years ago, and I think it was you know, went pretty well. So hoping to do that again this year. You know, thanks for listening to us today. Of course, check out our work at uh, New England Soccer Today at anysoccertoday.com. Uh, keep that up to date. Usually post you know, just about every day, and if not multiple posts every day. And we will be covering the supplemental draft and talk about some of the guys available for that. And we're not done covering the super draft certainly. Uh, so a lot to talk about there. I'm hoping to do an interview with Ryan Kinney in the next week and you know, find out more about him and ask him the ever-important question of if he was you know, growing up in New York, if he was actually a Red Bulls fan or a Revolution fan. Because I'm sure, everyone wants to know that. So <laughs> we'll look into look into key key information like that one as we go forward. So you know, thanks for joining us today, Brian. Uh, Thank you, Sean. Should be should be an interesting next few weeks for the Revs as they get closer to preseason and. You know, head head towards the season opener. I think we have uh, at least a couple more signings in store for the Rebs. Definitely.